Welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we get to know renowned photographer and author David Yarrow a little better. In a nutshell, how did you end up doing photography? You always did it originally, but you just you just decided one day, sod it. No, I, I mean, I, there was provenance. I, I, I photographed the World Cup in 86 in, in Mexico. I had the picture of Maradona, which when he died two years ago, was um, the most used picture of, of him. I photographed Olympics and Masters. Goodness knows how many ski tournaments and soccer matches. But after I did the Olympics uh, in 88, uh, I'm worried about the proliferation of content that was exactly the same as mine. And I'm worried. I was not a good economist versus some of the people that you have on the show, but I knew enough about supply and demand that if there was an imbalance with supply being great and demand, the price would be affected. I also didn't have many people in the sports photography world that I could see as mentors. I knew people in the sports journalism world who were massive mentors to me. Hugh McIlvenny, who's the greatest sports writer of, of the last 30 years, to me under his wing a little bit. But I went into finance. But you used to disappear every year, though. And you would always go and do it as a sort of, as a keep you sane kind of thing. Or? No, I think only when my marriage broke down, there's some fairly set antidotes that you can use when your marriage breaks down. You can go on a hookers and blow binge or you can go to Greenland and I chose to go to Greenland route. <laughs> but I guess things changed. I took a picture of a shark in 2008, the Great White, and I remember losing probably one of the stronger pictures of Great White attacking something and I lost £4,000 from the whole uh, round trip until a lawyer in Houston, Texas called me up and he's called Jaws and he wanted the picture. <laughs> Ended up paying 10000 for each picture, which was far more than all the magazines were paying. I think the penny dropped when I was watching Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad, for me, was groundbreaking for, for so many different ways in terms of storytelling, um, in terms of immersive photography and script writing and acting. But most importantly, it told the story of how a business could change if it went from retail to wholesale. And most photographers that work in the art space, maybe they haven't watched Breaking Bad, but they didn't realize the opportunity that could come from sacrificing 50% of your margin. Because you just can't be everywhere. And the big thing that artists get wrong, photographers get wrong, is they sell their own shit. And you cannot sell your own shit. It's, it's, the it's really hard too. You know? Well, it's, it's, it's the acronym, Fig Jam, Fuck I'm Good, Just Ask Me. You need third party uh, affirmation. You need third, you need galleries like Kigosian or whatever saying, this is the person to buy. When I've been speaking to you now, I just got an invoice through from Texas to a gallery I haven't seen for six weeks. And it's just, 150,000 of prints. Now, I could sit here on my own trying to sell 150,000 in London. I'd be here all year. But this has come through. And that's the beauty of the business is you've got people doing your work for you and talking about you. I don't want to talk about it. I can assure you when I meet someone over the next 10 days and they might want to know, you know, how to special week last week photographing American sporting icons. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But I really don't want to talk about what I do any more than I'm sure 
two of you want to really talk about. No one ever asked us, thankfully, as accounts. <laughs> so t- tell me more about those books you've been looking at. <laughs> do you do FIFO or LIFO or a balance <laughs> yes. of the two? I'm a great fan of having a hybrid of both FIFO and LIFO. <laughs> Out of all of this, do you have a long-term goal? You know, if you've got a sort of, oh, I'm going to retire to New Zealand and take pictures of... Never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> said with passion. Yeah. I read something the other day, what is the definition of success? And you're obviously doing it because the, the reply I liked was, when you get older, your children want to spend time with you. I can't think of a more precise, eloquent definition of success. I'm not going to judge success by my car or by how many rooms my house has. How ridiculous. I like to think that there would be a legacy and there would be more than the local newspaper that puts a few of my pictures up. But I think that the most important thing is that you have a relationship with your family, as your dad's done, um, where you're tied, because so many families are not tied. It's a great measure, isn't it? It's very humbling. I can't think of a better measure. It doesn't matter what you do. They just you just got to be a good enough person in their life that they like being with you. Absolutely. And I'm fortunate now that uh, it's quite funny. I, have, I think I have four pairs of shoes. I don't know how many you have, Andy, but I'm sure your mum has slightly more than four. Yeah, I don't have many. I, don't, I can find two pairs now. I, yeah. I've got four. <laughs> and they, I think I've got three pairs of socks. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't change them in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been on the road for about, what is it, 100 days now, and I have no problem. Um, because I'm Scottish, and that needs to sub- suboptimal decision making like if a hotel charges you 16.95 to launder a shirt i'll think that's outrageous so i'll get an uber to a local laundry store to give the shirt in and i'll be down four dollars i'm putting the uber bill together with the laundered the laundered shirt but i still think it's better than the hotel profiteering but the problem then comes underpants because i just can't be bothered for the hotel to launder them for six dollars. <laughs> um, it's just a pair of underpants. And also, I'm not going to go and take them to the launderette because it's embarrassing. So you're going to tell me you don't wear underpants? No. <laughs> I just wear them once and throw them out. <laughs> what do you think is most misunderstood about what you do? The, the biggest misconception is I photograph wildlife. I used to, um, but I moved away from it. But there is a perception by some people that I'm a wildlife photographer and that irritates me because wildlife photography is not really art. It goes back to that thing about taking pictures rather than making Yeah, yeah. I remember going seeing the chairman of the Tate, Dennis Stevenson. I went to see him and he said, of all the forms of art in the world, the one that leaves me with absolutely no interest whatsoever is wildlife photography. <laughs> I said, thanks very much, sir. Lord, my Lord. And I said, what? Tell you the truth. Yeah. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I shouldn't really be telling you this. But. I'm not a wildlife photographer. <laughs> I said, why is that? I'll never forget his response because he's so right. He said, I know what a fucking giraffe looks like. <laughs> I don't want to see a picture of a giraffe that someone's taken when they're on safari and be told it's art. It's not. And he's so right. Did that have quite an effect on you? Massive effect. Okay, that you thought, okay, 
because you'll you'll be very humble, but your your pictures of giraffes and other animals are spectacular. I mean, they they you know I'd get you, but I see the point is very true. It's like, is it art? Well, it's too literal. Yeah, and and, and art. What is art? That's a there's a question. And I guess if I was to borrow from anyone, Andy Warhol got it right, where he just said. It's an elevated form of communication. And I think that's about right. It's about communicating with the person that's looking at it in a way that's maybe slightly elevated, but not if it's just a picture of a giraffe. There's no elevated communication in that. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What do you think the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you was? Be tough on yourself. Be tough on yourself. Yeah, and it's like it's like um, listening to your gut, isn't it? You get you you know when it's not good enough. It's easy to sort of pretend it is, but you know if you if you sort of really think hard, you kind of know when it's not good enough. So, a guy who um, has been fallen prey to cancel culture, um, but was at the helm of Victoria's Secrets for many years and a creative genius. He was a, a madman from Madison Avenue. And when you go into their offices in uh, Columbus, Ohio, the first thing you see in the offices is a massive blown up picture of the front page of the New York Times from 22nd November 1963 with Kennedy dead. So there's Kenny, the New York Times front cover, and it's blown up the size of a table tennis table. And so I go in there and I said, why do you have that newspaper headline? What makes it so important for this brand? He said, because everything that we do when we've got an interface with the public, it should be a Kennedy dead moment. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, because when people picked up that newspaper on the 22nd of November 1963, they knew he was dead because the world knew he was dead. But at that moment, when they picked up the newspaper, all exogenous thoughts went from their mind, whether they've had a row with their husband or wife or son or father or daughter or whatever. All they were focused on uh, was the 100% connection between that front page and their cognitive processing. And he said, if you want to be a creative artist, you have to have Kennedy dead moments. Well, that's quite deep. You know what is interesting is you've hung out with so many, like, I guess, uh, high achieving people might be one way to put it. But, you know, you must, you, you get good advice because it's your point about if you're the cleverest guy in the room, get out of it. It's like push yourself to be outside of your comfort zone and therefore meet people who are a bit beyond you and then going to say things that you're like, the, big, the biggest misconception that people give to, to me is that because I've had um, uh, been fortunate over the last 10 years or 12 years that some of the people that I meet, it fosters some sense of arrogance. It's absolutely the wrong way. It goes 180 degrees the other way, encourages humility. Because when these people are as exceptional as they are, you realize when they've achieved so much, it has to be a humbling experience mm. because you learn that these people are exceptional. Uh, when I was a hedge fund manager, I'd never have two hours lunch with George Bush, but I I did have two hours lunch with George Bush as a two-time president, and two of us sat and talked for two and a half hours, and I shut the fuck up for the next week because I was just so in awe of 
what I'd heard from him. When you were asked, you know, what was the best advice, I suppose I was thinking the best advice I think my father gave me was that, you know, you will only probably trust five people in your life. You might be lucky in a few more, yeah. but there's just a few people that you can really trust. You could go and tell them something and it won't be repeated. You could give them money and it would still be there when you came back, that you really can trust them. And actually that's a huge accolade when you say to, you know, in life, like with your kids, which I understand, the first client I ever got on my own died the other day, and a lovely guy. And I wrote to his wife and said, and it was true, because we had a very, it was my early days. Joe, and he, Joe Hunt, was it? And yeah. he built a very large group uh, of butchers, which got destroyed by the common market and the way food to, uh, consumption changed. But I wrote and said to her, you know, he, 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 I could totally trust him, and I can't say more. Because you just learned. You can't, it doesn't come overnight. It comes over a period of time. Do you trust them? person I trust most in the business world is your dad. Oh, and I trust you. That's not just we're having a trade. I do trust David because you're a man of your word. It's like this integrity thing, isn't it? It's, it's you gets really upset if somebody has a go at you on that. Particularly so. if it's HMRC. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all feel a little bit like that. But there's trusting someone to be themselves. There's that kind of like, well, I, I know they can't. But you're, you're meaning the true meaning of trust, that it's sort of absolute. You could tell David something, say, please keep it secret. He could do that to me. You taught me that when I was little, the, the, the honour of being kept. If someone gives you a secret, that's an honour, you know, and respect it. You, what are you most excited about at the moment then for the business? What are you like super G'd up about, as they would say? There is no doubt that the, the climb to get to, we're lucky, I think we might have kind of market leadership in what we do. The climb is more exciting. And I had, I've had this conversation with so many people that when you actually get there, the defending of that fortress is less fun than the ascendancy to the fortress because there's only one way it is down and it's just the number of years you can stay there before it does go down. Is there anything you'd advise anyone to read, listen, watch? Is there anything in this? this is, we're just to finish up now. I think uh, what is the best thing I've watched recently? I think the, the series they offer about the making of The Godfather and uh, how Coppola did the deal with the, the mob, um, the mafia in New York. I, think I didn't know. It's called The Offer. Yeah, The Offer is fantastic. Oh, wow. He had to do a deal with them because he needed their cooperation. Basically. Yeah, and he wanted the word uh, mafia to be excluded from the movie and the script, and I wish it was. Um, so... There was all these meetings with um, who is the head of the mafia there, Joe Colombo. He wanted it excluded or they wanted it excluded? They gave their cooperation on the basis that this word, which they didn't like, could be right. murdered. They fully uncooperated, but he got murdered in the middle of it. So. Wow. Is the word ma mafia is a mafioso? It's an yeah. Italian word. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. Uh, the best, best book I've read is, I enjoyed all Buffett's works, but... Um, the prize, which is the history of the oil industry for the last 150 years, is, and therefore the history of the world, is fantastic. And there's so many great stories from there. And I used to, as you remember, I used to be quite interested in investing in oil exploration companies. So I enjoy that. A big, big thank you to David for joining us this week. And we'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. In the meantime, have a great week. <laughs>